Welcome to another podcast of Field Talk Against Urban Issues. And now, your host, U.S. Army Ranger, published author and university professor, Dr. Aaron Bryant. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Dr. Bryant Speaks. You know, I'm in a pretty good mood right now. Um, you know, I get a lot of feedback. I get a lot of correspondence. And it's amazing to feel that what you're doing and the work that you're applying to is actually making a difference or people are feeling that you're providing good information. And, you know, that's 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 all I ask for. This show has been created and crafted to be able to be a source of information for those who are struggling with mental health issues, those who are struggling with trauma. We have military veterans, active duty. We have National Guard. We got first responders. I mean, it's literally across the spectrum, the type of people who are listening, the followers, the subscribers. I mean, we're on about nine different podcast channels, and I am feeling really blessed that I could be here with you today to continue sharing this information. Now, the interesting thing is the topics that we discuss literally is coming from what is out there in the world that it has some sort of level of importance. Now, not everything that we're going to talk about is going to be relative to you. Um, there are things out there that may not be specifically about mental health. However, when we're supporting veterans, when we're supporting first responders, all of this has some sort of relationship. And that's what makes this show so important. My name is Aaron. I am the host for the Dr. Brian Speaks, full name Dr. Aaron Bryant, and I'm here to be able to communicate with you on topics that are clearly important, critical. And, you know, I have to say that it's a, it's a wealth of relief, even for me, because even with myself and the experience that I talk about and discuss, it gives me something to be able to let go of and gives me something to learn. I have people that comment and they talk about how they were able to benefit from a conversation. And I'm right there with you because I'm right there learning. We have brought guests on this show that are experts that understand exactly what to do, how to deal with it and provide resources. So we're going to continue to do this. I want to thank the sponsors that are constantly supporting us. You can go to the website, drbryanspeaks.com. You can see those sponsors there. And if you want to be a sponsor, feel free to reach out and let's get on board. So on that note, let's go ahead and get into the show today where we're going to talk about something that's a little different, but is very, very, very and I'm going to say very, probably a hundred times over because I cannot stress the level of importance this topic is about. I got this particular topic from, again, another listener and follower who felt that the exposure of this has not been happening. And as I researched it, I could not feel the sadness 
And then the anger. I mean, the level of emotions that I went through, you know, was is kind of inexplainable because it was really disappointing. As a veteran, I just felt like this is definitely something we have to discuss and we need to bring to the forefront. The topic today is about Native American indigenous veterans. And the thing is, I honestly had no real knowledge of the Native American indigenous veterans that existed. I mean, when I, again, you guys know, those who are returning listeners, I do my homework, I do my research, and I do my best to provide nothing but facts, and I reference it, and I bring it to you so that way you can rely on what I'm saying. And I was quite disappointed at the what I was able to learn. So I'm going to share with you today a lot of that information so we can be able to possibly do something about it. And very and very possible somebody may have the power who's listening to contribute and do something about this because it is a true injustice. And if we're supposed to be about family and supporting veterans and supporting people, then we are literally dropping the ball. Now, I want to emphasize, my show is not political, okay? It is absolutely not political. I'm all about just bringing information, bringing awareness, and supporting those that fall under the categories that we discuss. I mean, I am all about mental awareness. I'm all about health care. I mean, these are the things that are important. And if any of that relates to veterans, first responders, or anybody that experienced traumatic impacts, that's what I want to talk about. And this falls under that. Now, one of the things I have learned is that those that yell the loudest or that has the largest group of people, or even those that has a lot of money, celebrities and the big politicians, those are the ones who receive the attention. I mean, argue if you want, please email me and tell me, hey, that's not necessarily true. But, you know, from what I can see, that's what's happening. And is that fair? I mean, think about it. The one who yells the loudest, they're the ones that get the holidays. We have Black History Month. So during that period of time, you know, African-Americans stood together, stood their ground, and they went up through legislation and they yelled and screamed because they wanted that month. Now we have other months, Asian Awareness Month. We have Cesar Chavez's birthday we celebrate. I mean, we can go on and on. I mean, if somebody has a purpose and they can justify it, I mean, hey, then we're going to probably have a day off from work or something that's going to represent it. Now, I'm not here to say that I don't agree with it, but I also recognize that there's just about every culture that exists will have something that they can stand on to advocate for. Would you agree? However, what I'm not hearing a lot about is those that actually are in the small minority. Now, we have Black Lives Matter, Asian lives, blue lives. I mean, again, the loudest voice gets heard. 
So I want to discuss and focus on something that is beyond our conversations, the conversations that we hear all the time on the news. There is topics or this particular topic that I feel that does not have the exposure. And I'm not saying that my show is going to give it that exposure because I have a long way to go before I'm on a platform that's being heard by, you know, delegates and politicians. I don't know. Maybe they're, they're listening. Maybe they're not. But the point is, we have a long way to go, and I am willing to get that started. Let me give you a scenario. You guys know my background as a veteran. Um, I was with the 2nd Ranger Battalion uh, Special Ops Unit, and, you know, one of the things about being in this unit is my skin color was not common. And as a black man in a majority white unit, you know, I was on a three-man gun team. So you have your gunner, you have your assistant gunner, and you have your basically, you know, that's your lowest ranking guy. And of course, as a private, which I was at the time, you know, I'm the one that had to hump the rounds. I mean, literally carrying in my rucksack all of the rounds, you know, the 776 rounds that's going to support that machine gun is the M240 Golf, weighed 24.2 pounds. Now, granted, I was the one that didn't have to carry the weapon because I wasn't the gunner, but I had to carry the tripod. The tripod is what actually the gun sat on. So my job and responsibility was to carry all the rounds as well as this tripod, including everything in my rucksack for my child, my clothing, my equipment. So I had a lot of stuff that I was responsible for. Okay. Now, during a firefight, I had to be the one when we were no longer having rounds, I had to be one that had to low crawl back to get more ammunition. So I'm the one in the rear risking my life being shot to get more ammo so I can low crawl back to bring that to my gunner. If we're breaching a building, I'm the one that's watching our six. And so again, still supporting the gunner. Now as the lowest ranked person at the time, I represent a very small race. Again, I was a black guy in a majority white unit. And yet when the battle is over, let me ask you, do I get the recognition of making sure that, you know, because I was the one that made sure the gunner got the ammo. I was the one that risked my life to get additional ammo. I was also protecting his ass by watching the six while at the same time supporting him. I mean, the spec four or the NCO, depending on who I was, what team I was on, who got the recognition? Who got the acknowledgement if we had did something that was pretty impressive by suppressing fire on the enemy, allowing a, a breach team to go in? Or if we're the breach team and we're holding down the, um, the, you know, the main entrance to keep the enemy from coming in, who gets the recognition? Well, I will tell you that in the Rangers, we as a team get that recognition. But the thing is, in the United States of America, it's not quite the same. We have had battles and wars, and yet we're starting to forget that minority group of people. And somehow we're forgetting not the what happens at the time, but what happens after. We have a lot of bias. 
we have segregation, we have racism. And at, you can argue all you want. I don't care what nationality you are. I can prove it to you in so many ways, upside down, back and forth. We need to stop. We have heroes of America who are continuously underappreciated and has, has suffered racism and discrimination. Now, I know some of you who are listening are saying, well, that was then, this is now. The, that, is not, that is not accurate. It really is not accurate. And the reason why it's not accurate is because this still exists. We still have a poverty level that is literally ridiculous. And I'm going to get into that some more, but that's, I need to get into understanding a little bit of who we're talking about. Native and veterans, our native veterans are highly regarded within the tribal communities. You, you know, our, it, it's amazing when I did my research how their dedication and commitment to serving in the armed forces. It's amazing. We're talking about throughout America's history up to the present day. It is absolutely amazing how Native Americans, and that includes Alaskans, have been right there throughout history, above and beyond. American Indian and Alaska Native people have served in the U.S. Armed Services at a higher rate than any other group. You probably did not know that. I did not know that. But this number is astonishing but yet when those veterans were when veterans return home i mean all veterans when we return home are we not entitled to benefits i mean we have sacrificed ourselves we have gotten injured we continue to be injured i think that we deserve to have some sort of I'm going to use the word protection because literally we have to protect ourselves. We have to protect others. We need that medical care. We need those benefits. And the federal government needs to make that available. However, our Native veterans, our Native American veterans are returning home and seek to access those same benefits that they're entitled to, right? Okay, let's let's be honest. They're entitled to this. The veteran services and benefits for them fall short. They do not get their needs and they have less adequate than those provided to their non-native counterparts. I have data people. If you watch this show before or listen to my podcast, you know I do my homework. I have data. And we're going to talk about that. In fact, I've even broken down to where I did comparisons. This became such an important project for me when I did this show that I just felt that I could not just talk about it. I literally need to do some comparisons to get the full grasp of what it is that we're not doing as a country. I'm not a politician. I'm not the president. I'm not Senate. I'm not Congress. None of that. But I say we because, again, we have to speak up. 
my fellow veterans, their families and their children's are not getting the same treatment. This is wrong. Let's talk about some facts. American Indians and Alaska Natives, okay, they have served in the armed forces five, listen to me, five times the national average, okay? Five times the national average and have served with distinction in every, <laughs> I kid you not, in every major conflict for over 200 years. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute, all right? Let's let that sink in. Okay, so when you consider the population in the United States, it's approximately 1.4% Native, okay? All right, this is data that I was able to get. And the military is 1.7% Native. That's not including those that did not disclose their identity, because let's be honest, sometimes they won't check that box for whatever reason. That's their own choice. Could be uh, the fact that they are either embarrassed or they feel they might be discriminated against. I mean, that's a real thing. I have friends who are, um, you know, Hispanic, Mexican, uh, Latin descent, and they tell me how they were second generation to come to the States and their parents didn't speak Spanish to them. They wanted to speak English because they did not want them to be discriminated against when they went to school. So they don't even know how to speak Spanish. So this is a real thing. So there's a possibility they didn't disclose their identity. So that number could be higher. Native people have the highest per capita involvement, per capita involvement than any other population to serve in the United States military. That is very impressive. Now, that's just the beginning. They also have a higher concentration of women service members. When I did my homework, and I'm going to talk about this again, it was impressive. The dates of when the women service members of the Native Americans was serving, we were not even talking about women going in the military. And yet they were doing that. Nearly 20% of American Indians and Alaska Natives, I want to make sure I always include Alaska, Alaska Natives, service members were women. 20%. Now, that's while 15.6% of all the other service members were women. So it's not a big gap. But again, I want to focus on how American Indians and Alaska Natives was leading the way. We're going to come back full circle on all this, I promise. So let's look at some, let's get some background, okay? Let's get some background. I'm going to, if you're, if you're already impressed, um, it is just the beginning. And again, I enjoy doing this research because the more I I dug into it. The more I learned, my emotions were getting all over the place. I was getting angry. I was getting excited. I was really just, and then it got to a point where I was just disappointed. So going back to the history, because I kind of wanted to understand where did this all start? Like, I mean, maybe it was just a century ago. I mean, I, I just really wanted to understand and it was more disappointing than I thought. 
Native Americans played an important role in the birth of this country. Okay, so we're talking the American Revolution. If you know your history, you, you know your dates. We're talking 1775 to about 1783, American Revolution period. Okay, I gotta, I got this. I don't wanna, I can't get into all the details, but there was this one story that stood out where a wife, she, <laughs> she's Native American, she's married to a Dutchman who's a soldier. She is on horseback with her husband in combat. I cannot pronounce her name. I don't recall it. I can definitely look it up and get it to you for those who are interested. Maybe if you're a, a student right now and you're listening and you want to write a report, hey, get back to me. I'll give you her name. But it's documented that this woman, this wife, who was on the back of her husband's horse, when he got shot in his hand, she was the one that was able to take the rifle, reload it, and assist him in continuing the fight. I, I, I'm telling you, I when I read this story, and that's why it stayed in my head, it was because I was so impressed. The, you don't hear about this stuff. You know, it's like... We we were in the middle of a uh, we're in the middle of this women's movement, and I'm like, what year is this? 2021. Women have been doing things of this magnitude since 1700s. I mean, come on, think about the magnitude in battle. If you have been in battles, you understand what I'm talking about. The bravery. The concentration. Granted, her adrenaline is through the roof. We know that, right? The adrenaline is skyrocketing. I mean, you literally, your, your, your functional skills are already kicking in from just your training. You know, your, your, everything is at a heightened level, right? This woman is doing, is above and beyond. And I, I don't think she was trained. I can't say for sure, but I seriously doubt it. Maybe her husband might have taught her how to shoot and how to handle a rifle. I'm sure maybe at their in their home, you know, maybe hunting or something. But you're taking it to another. It's one thing to go in their backyard, backyard and shoot animals. And it's another thing to be on horseback and shoot. I mean, that's all. I mean, we're talking moving target, right? You guys know, though, when ladies, any of us in combat, moving targets is not the same as a stand up poster. All right, let me move on because I can get pretty excited by that story. Um, that's the revolution. That's American Revolution. But we're talking history. So we're talking World War One, 3,000 to 6,000. Think about that number. 3,000 to 6,000 American Indians enlisted. And another 6,500 were drafted. And this is for World War One. But here, what I took away from that is that you had literally double the amount of people volunteered for World War One. Volunteered. You had the group that was drafted, that same number, give or take a few thousand, volunteered. Field Talk Against Urban Issues, formerly called Dr. Brian Speaks, is a podcast show that provides information, programs, and experts that challenge mental health issues. 